Picture this, you've just purchased a charming 1905 Dutch colonial home, and you and your family are ready to settle in. But what if someone was secretly watching your home without explaining who they are or what they want? How would you feel knowing that their motives remain a mystery, lurking in the shadows like a sinister presence you can't shake off? In 2014, a family in Westfield, New Jersey experienced this exact situation, leading them to file a lawsuit against the former homeowners one year later, igniting a media frenzy and an unsolved mystery in a now infamous town. Who is the Watcher? Welcome to Nightmare Houses. Harry Lincoln Russell was the original owner of 657 Boulevard in Westfield, New Jersey. He was born in New York City in 1867 and was successful in real estate building and general contracting. He married Anna B. Sadler in New York in November 1890. In March of 1892, Russell and his wife welcomed a daughter Gladys and a son Aubrey, born a few years later, in December 1895, and they were devout Methodists. By 19 the Russell family had relocated to Westfield, New Jersey. In 1904, the Westfield Realty Improvement Company established Park Slope, a residential development neighborhood. In 1905, a 3,800-square-foot Dutch colonial revival, a popular architectural style of the early 20th century, was built at 657 Boulevard as part of this development. A striking and notable home, the most prominent features are the front-facing gambrel facade and roof, the top front-facing Palladian window, the overall asymmetry, a front porch with ionic columns, the low fieldstone base with light green wood siding and white trim, three fieldstone chimneys, and a detached garage. Boulevard is a quiet, unassuming tree-lined street with large and well-kept houses and yards. It's a seemingly perfect street in an ideal home, peaceful neighborhood, and a safe town. In Westfield, New Jersey, Boulevard was among the most esteemed addresses, and the large front-facing windows at 657 Boulevard are impressive and inviting from the street. The Russell family, including mother-in-law Alice Sadler and a maid, moved into 657 Boulevard in 1905 and host many gatherings there for the First Methodist Episcopal Church and various other civic movements in town. By 1914, when both children had left for college, Harry Russell and his wife decided to leave 657 Seven Boulevard and downsize, but remained in Westfield. That year, William H. Davies and his family purchased 657 Boulevard. William Davies lived there with his wife Florence and his children, who were all in their late teens or early twenties by then, his daughter Rosalie, and sons Kenneth and Ernest, mother-in-law Rosalie Cubberly, and a maid also moved into the residence with the Davies. On Friday, December 17, 1915, Rosalie died at 657 Boulevard at the age of of 84. Funeral services were held there for her in the home. Like the Russells, the Davies were prominent First Methodist Episcopal Church members and often held church events at home. In September of 1919, the Davies celebrated the wedding of their daughter Rosalie to Roy Marsh at their home. By 1929, William Davies had been elected as chairman of the Westfield Republican Committee. By 1930, his daughter Rosalie and her young son moved back into 657 Boulevard 
Boulevard after she got divorced. William Davies served as a councilman in Westfield in 1931 and in 1932 before becoming mayor of Westfield in 1933 until 1934. Davies remained active in town affairs after his term as mayor, serving as a director at the Westfield Trust Company and Westfield Federal Savings and Loan Association. On January 4, 1943, Florence Davies, aged 73, died at 657 Boulevard from ill health. At the time of her death, Mrs. Davies had been noted as the oldest Westfield Woman's Club member and was a cherished community member. Several years later, on November 9, 1947, William Davies died at 657 Boulevard after his own health issues. When William passed, he left 657 Boulevard to his son, Ernest Davies, and his family, who continued to live there for a few more years. On July 5, 1951, Ernest Davies sold the home to Dillard E. Bird, ending almost four decades of the Davies family owning 657 Boulevard. Bird only owned the home for a few years, selling it to Lawrence and Mary Schaefer on August 26, 1955. The Schaefers lived at 657 Boulevard for nearly eight years, with nothing notable happening there. In 1963, 657 Boulevard was sold again to a local family, Seth and Catherine Floyd Lewis Bakes. The Bakes were very active in Westfield affairs, and Seth and his wife raised four children, two boys and two girls. The Bakes' children attended Westfield High School, and Mrs. Bakes participated heavily on the school PTA committee and was very active in the town. The Bakes' children, all born in or around the 1950s, seemed quite popular and athletic and did well in school and the local community. In 1970, a local family purchased the home directly behind 657 Boulevard, a 1920s stucco-clad colonial revival-style home on Carlton Road. This family had ten children, with whom the Bakes children befriended. A side note, Westfield, New Jersey was the scene of a bizarre and brutal murder of the List family in 1971 in an old estate named Breeze Knoll. Three teenagers, the List children, went to school around the same time as these children. They were murdered by their father, John List, who also killed their mother and grandmother. John was on the lam for nearly 20 years. The Bakes would see their four children attend high school in the 1960s and early 1970s, then college in the 1970s and in into the early 1980s, get married, and start their own families, all while living at 657 Boulevard. In 1982, one of the Bakes' sons married one of the daughters of their Carlton Road neighbors, the ones who lived directly behind 657 Boulevard, who went on to have a family of their own. On November 11, 1990, the Bakes sold their home of 27 years to John and Andrea Woods, originally from Connecticut. Until this point, there had been a Westfield trend of transferring property for $1 through a trust, and 657 Boulevard was no exception to this tradition until 1990 when the Bakes sold the property to the Woods. The Woods would live at 657 Boulevard, seemingly uneventfully, for 24 years. In 2014, the Woods retired and decided to list 657 Boulevard for sale. Up until this point, the home for the past 109 years had seen three deaths, one wedding, and six seemingly happy families come and go.
but just days before closing on the property on May 24, 2014, Andrea Woods received a strange letter at home. It was considered odd, but non-threatening. Andrea read it, disregarded it, and threw it away. It didn't seem like anything, and the Woods prepared to sell their home. Westfield, New Jersey is located approximately 20 miles from New York City and was recently ranked by Bloomberg as the 99th wealthiest town in America. In 2014, it was listed as the country's 30th safest place. Derek Brodus was born in 1974 and grew up in a working-class family in Maine. He did well in school and was athletic. He attended Fairfield University in Connecticut and met Maria, a Westfield, New Jersey native. She also attended Fairfield and, in 1996, was awarded a humanitarian award for her work in college. Derek got a job in insurance after graduation, and he and Maria were married. Over the next few years, the couple worked and started a family. Derek worked his way up to senior vice president of a global insurance provider, and things were going well for the family, who had lived in and around Connecticut, New York, and New Jersey. By 2014, they were looking for a new home for their growing family. Since Maria was from Westfield and Derek worked in New York, it seemed to be the perfect time and place to settle down in her hometown to raise her family. By this time, the couple had three young children, now five, eight, and ten. Due to Derek's success and sales of prior homes, he could afford their dream home for the now family of five to live and grow up in, in a safe and well-regarded community. But that's not what happened. In early June 2014, Derek and Maria Brodus purchased 657 Boulevard for just over $1.3 million for the 3869 square foot 1905 Dutch colonial style home featuring six bedrooms and four bathrooms on nearly half an acre of land. 657 Boulevard was one of the grander homes on sale, and with an increasing real estate market, multiple offers were made. Derek and Maria were the chosen buyers. Overall, everything appeared to be a standard real estate transaction. But on the night of June 18, 2014, just days after closing on the home, Derek was at the house doing some painting and checking on the mail after work before they moved in. He was going through a pile of mail when he noticed a small white envelope simply addressed to the new owner on the outside envelope. Inside, the letter read in part, Dearest new neighbor at 657 Boulevard, allow me to welcome you to the neighborhood. How did you end up here? Did 657 Boulevard call to you with its force within? 657 Boulevard has been the subject of my family for decades now, and as it approaches its 110th birthday, I have been put in charge of watching and waiting for its second coming. My grandfather watched the house in the 1920s, and my father watched in the 1960s. Now it is my time. Do you know the history of the house? Do you know what lies within the walls of 657 Boulevard? Why are you here? I will find out. I asked the woods to bring me young blood, and it looks like they listened. I see already that you have flooded 657 Boulevard with contractors so that you can destroy the house as it was supposed to be. Tsk, tsk, tsk. Bad move. You don't want to make 657 Boulevard unhappy. You have children. I have seen them. So far, I think there are three that I have counted. Are there more on the way? Do you need to fill the house with the young blood I requested? Better for me. Was your old house too small for the growing family, or was it greed to bring me your children? Once I know their names, I will call to them and draw them to me. Who am I? There are hundreds and hundreds of cars that drive by 657 Boulevard each day. 
Maybe I am in one. Look at all the windows you can see from 657 Boulevard. Maybe I am in one. Look out any of the many windows in 657 Boulevard at all the people who stroll by each day. Maybe I am one. Welcome, my friends, welcome. Let the party begin. The letter was only signed as the watcher. There was no return address on the envelope or any other identifying information on the note card. The letter was postmarked June 4th, just one day before the sale was made public. A for sale sign was never put up, and contractors had only arrived just a day earlier. By the time Derek read the letter, it was dark, around 10 p.m., and he was home alone in an old house, having just read a very unsettling letter regarding his family's new home. He quickly turned off all the lights in the house so no one could see inside, thinking someone was watching at that very moment. Next, he called the Westfield Police Department. A short time later, an officer stopped by, read the letter, and seemed perplexed. Derek was questioned on if he had enemies, and police suggested that some construction equipment be moved in case someone tried to vandalize their house. After talking with the police, Derek returned to his wife and kids, who lived at their old home, also located in Westfield. That night, Derek and Maria wrote an email to John and Andrea Woods, the couple they purchased the house from, asking if they knew of the watcher, and why this person mentioned the phrase, I asked the Woods to bring me young blood, and it looks like they listened. Andrea Woods replied to them the following morning. She mentioned that the letter she received just before the closing on the home was also from the watcher. While she mentioned the odd letter, it made a similar mention of the watcher's family observing the house over time. Still, Andrea said she and her husband had never received anything like it in their 20 three years in their house and had thrown the letter away without a thought. A theory began that since the home had multiple bids, the watcher could be upset over losing the house. But according to the Woods, one interested buyer backed out after a bad medical diagnosis while another found a different home. Andrea suggested that since the note referenced contractor trucks as well as their children, it could be someone in the neighborhood. That same day, John and Andrea Woods went with Maria to the police station where then-detective Lieutenant Leonard Lugo told her not to tell anyone about the letter, including her new neighbors, most of whom Derek and Maria had never even met. Derek and Maria Brodus were worried and stressed for the next few weeks and functioned on high alert. Derek canceled a work trip following the letter, and whenever Maria took their kids over to their new house, she kept a close watch on them and called them whenever they wandered out of her sight. A general contractor on the house arrived one morning and found that a heavy sign hammered into the front yard had had been ripped out overnight. But despite the watcher's letter and odd occurrences, Derek and Maria continued to renovate their new home in preparation for moving in. Then, just a few weeks later, in July 2014, Maria stopped by the house to look at some paint samples and check their mail. She quickly recognized the distinct thick black lettering on the card-shaped envelope. She immediately called the police. Inside, the note read in part, Mr. and Mrs. Broadus, welcome again to your new home at 657 Boulevard. The workers have been busy, and I have been watching you unload carfuls of your personal belongings. The dumpster is a nice touch. Have they found what is in the walls yet? In time, they will. I'm pleased to know your names now, and the name of the young blood you have brought to me. You certainly say their names often. Is the little girl the artist in the family? 657 Boulevard is anxious for you to move in. It has been years and years since the young blood ruled the hallways of the house. Have you found all of the secrets it holds yet? Will the young blood play in the basement, or are they too afraid to go down there alone? 
I would be very afraid if I were them. It is far away from the rest of the house. If you were upstairs, you would never hear them scream. Will they sleep in the attic, or will you all sleep on the second floor? Who has the bedrooms facing the street? I'll know as soon as you move in. It will help me to know who is in which bedroom. Then I can plan better. All of the windows and doors in 657 Boulevard allow me to watch you and track you as you move through the house. Who am I? I am the watcher, and I have been in control of 657 Boulevard for the better part of two decades now. The Woods family turned it over to you. It was their time to move on, and they kindly sold it when I asked them to. I pass by many times a day. 657 Boulevard is my job, my life, my obsession. And now you are too, Braddis family. Welcome to the product of your greed. Greed is what brought the past three families to 657 Boulevard, and now it has brought you to me. The house is crying from all of the pain it is going through. You've changed it and made it so fancy. You are stealing its history. It cries for the past and what used to be in the time when I roamed its halls. The 1960s were a good time for 657 Boulevard when I ran from room to room imagining the life with the rich occupants there. The house was full of life and young blood. Then it got old and so did my father, but he kept watching until the day he died. And now I watch and wait for the day when the young blood will be mine again. Have a happy moving in day. You know I will be watching. Detective Lieutenant Leonard Lugo, who earlier suggested they stay silent on the matter and dismiss the threat with the first letter, then started investigating. Police took DNA from one of the letters where it was determined to be from a female, but no other information was made available. The letters had been processed in Kearney, the U.S. Postal Service's distribution center in northern New Jersey, so the watcher might have been local to Westfield. The renovations to 657 Boulevard were primarily interior, and neighbors did not report an unusual commotion, even from the jackhammering that came from the basement. When Derek and Maria walked Detective Lugo around the house, they showed him that the easel on the porch was hidden from the street by vegetation, making it easier to see if someone was either behind the house or right next door. Someone was more than just a little obsessed with 657 Boulevard, but who could it be? Derek installed a new alarm system that was finished within a few months. A home inspector had also looked inside the walls, something the watcher had mentioned, and told Derek the only issue was the lack of insulation, so it was not clear what the watcher had been referring to. But Derek and Maria, who went from being overwhelmed with joy to purchasing their dream home, quickly were filled with anxiety and fear about moving in. They weren't sure how often the watcher would write or what they wanted with their children. Derek priced out trained German shepherds and posted a job on a website for military veterans to to work outside the house, but they were scared, especially for their children. They weren't going to put them in harm's way. It was also unsettling that the watcher seemed to be getting increasingly unhinged. At one point, Derek was chatting with neighbor John Schmidt, who lived two doors down, when Schmidt told him about the Langfords, who lived between them. Peggy Langford was in her 90s, and several of her adult children, all in their 60s, lived with her. The family was considered odd, but harmless. Derek and Maria instantly thought the case was solved. The Langford house was also on Boulevard and right next to the easel on the porch. The Langfords had lived there since the early 1960s, when the watcher's father, the letter said, had mentioned observing 657 Boulevard. Richard Langford, Peggy's husband, died over a decade earlier, and the current watcher claimed 
claimed to have been on the job for the better part of two decades. Derek and Maria mentioned the Langfords to Lugo, but he already knew about them. The first week after the first letter arrived, Michael Langford, son of Peggy, was brought to police headquarters for an interview. Detective Lugo even told them they wouldn't receive any more letters after he spoke to Michael for the first time, but there was no direct evidence to implicate Michael or any of the Langfords, and after a few weeks, the police chief told Derek and Maria that unless someone admitted to it, there wasn't much they could do. Derek was increasingly furious after the second letter, feeling personally attacked, threatened, and frightened as a husband and a father. Frustrated and seemingly fed up, Derek and Maria began their own investigation. Derek set up webcams in 657 Boulevard and spent nights watching the cameras to see if anyone was watching his house. He mapped out when each of his neighbors had moved in. The Langfords were the only family there since the 1960s. He also included overlays marking possible sightlines lines for the easel and a circle for approximate range of earshot to estimate who may have heard Maria yelling their kids' names. Only a few homes fit both criteria, including the house on Carlton, as well as the Langfords. Derek turned to several experts for advice, and he employed a private investigator who staked out the neighborhood and ran background checks on the Langfords, but found nothing. Derek also contacted a former FBI agent who inspired Clarice Sterling in the iconic movie The Silence of the Lamb and hired Robert Lenahan, another former FBI agent, to conduct a threat assessment. One of the former FBI agents observed several old-fashioned ticks in the letters that pointed to an old writer, but that was all they could conclude. They didn't think the watcher would likely act on any of the threats, but found the letters had enough typos and errors to imply a certain erraticism. For example, the first letter was dated Tuesday, June 4th, but that day was a Wednesday. The former FBI agent also detected a seething anger directed at the wealthy. Perhaps the watcher was simply jealous that the new owners had bought something they couldn't afford. The watcher was also upset by what appeared to be new money moving into town in the recent years and bothered by the renovations to 657 Boulevard. But weeks later, in August 2014, yet another letter arrived at 657 Boulevard. It read in part, 657 Boulevard is turning on me. It is coming after me. I don't understand why. What spell did you cast on it? It used to be my friend, and now it is my enemy. I am in charge of 657 Boulevard. It is not in charge of me. I will fend off its bad things and wait for it to become good again. It will not punish me. I will rise again. I will be patient and wait for this to pass and for you to bring the young blood back to me. 657 Boulevard needs young blood. It needs you. Come back. Let the young blood play again, like I once did. Let the young blood sleep in 657 Boulevard. Stop changing it and let it alone. Again, the Westfield police were called. They thought to look at the former housekeepers and their descendants or relatives, but nothing panned out. However, the focus remained primarily on the Langfords. Detective Lugo brought Michael Langford in for a second interview, but got nowhere, and his sister, Abby, accused the police of harassing their family. Eventually, Derek hired lawyer Lee Levitt, who met with several members of the Langfords, 
Langford family, as well as their attorney, to show them the letters, along with photos explaining how their home was one of the few vantage points from which the easel could have been seen and sounds could be heard. The meeting with the lawyers was intense, and the family insisted Michael and everyone else were innocent. By this time, Derek and Maria had nightmares about the watcher. Maria thought almost anyone could be the watcher, and spent hours looking up anyone who seemed suspicious. The watcher had unleashed an increasing psychological terror on the new homeowners. While the investigation focused on the Langfords, a few other suspects were also considered. The private investigator found two child sex offenders within a few blocks, but they were not viable suspects. The house painter hired by Derek at 657 Boulevard had also observed some strange behavior. The couple behind 657 Boulevard on Carlton Road, who were related to the former homeowners the Bakes by marriage, kept a pair of lawn chairs strangely close to their property. The painter stated while he was looking out the window, he saw an older man sitting in one of the chairs, but he wasn't facing his house, he was facing 657 Boulevard. However, this large family, with their Westfield connections, were not publicly considered suspects. And then, all was quiet. The investigation seemingly stalled by the end of 2014. Since there was no digital trail, fingerprints, or way to place someone at a crime scene that could have come from anywhere, police couldn't do much. The letters could be read closely for possible clues, but were mostly dismissed as nonsense from someone with a mental illness. By December, the Westfield police effectively told Derek and Maria that they could do nothing and had run out of options. Derek showed the letters to his priest, who blessed the house. By this time, Derek and Maria had sold their old home and had moved in with her parents in Westfield while continuing to pay the mortgage and property taxes on 657 Boulevard. Derek continued to maintain the property, but barely spent any time there. Friends speculated why the family wasn't moving in, and Derek and Maria struggled to explain. Now stuck with a house that came with a watcher, and no one to hold responsible, the family tried to look for options and to recuperate some of their expenses and renovations they'd made. Derek and Maria listed the home for sale in February 2015 for nearly $1.5 million, but it got little interest. Rumors circled about the house and why it sat empty. A few bids were far below the asking price. They ultimately reduced the price three times between March and May, having never moved in. But even after lowering the asking price multiple times, a genuine offer was never made. By this point, Derek and Maria started to think about what they would have done had the previous owners told them of their letter from the watcher. The Woods, both retired scientists, had mentioned a strange letter they received, thanking them for caring for the house, but only disclosed this information after Derek and Maria purchased 657 Boulevard and received a letter of their own. But the Woods say they never had any issues with the house or neighbors, rarely even locking their doors. Likely feeling a total sense of loss of control, Derek and Maria Brodus filed a legal complaint against John and Andrea Woods on June 2, 2015, just one year after buying 657 Boulevard. The argument was made that the Woods should have disclosed the strange letter, just like any other housing issue. Ultimately, Derek and Maria hoped they could reach a quiet settlement and finish everything. They didn't want or ask for any of this. Until now, Derek and Maria's children still didn't know about the Watcher. Their lawyer also assured them that the story would get little publicity. Perhaps a small legal newswire might pick up the report, if that, but the story was picked up and quickly spread like wildfire.
A family in New Jersey abandoned their multi-million dollar dream home after receiving disturbing letters from a person known only as the Watcher. Valerie Castro is there with more. This large six-bedroom home in Union County, New Jersey, is being watched, at least according to this lawsuit filed by its new owners who paid $1.3 million for their dream home in the picturesque town of Westfield. They claim the previous owners were aware of a man who calls himself the Watcher, but they never said anything. Now news trucks were camped outside of 657 Boulevard, and a local reporter set up a lawn chair to conduct his watch for the Watcher. The couple received over 300 media requests for interviews, but with advice from a crisis management consultant, they decided not to speak publicly to spare their family even more attention. They were forced to vacate Westfield and went to a friend's home to hide out. Eventually, Derek and Maria sat down with their children to explain what was happening. The focus remained on the Langfords, but the DNA sample taken from one of the letters did not match anyone in the family. The Langfords were ruled out as suspects. Now, without a suspect, Derek decided to reopen in his personal investigation, continuing to hire experts who couldn't find anything noteworthy. Private investigators and the Westfield police had nothing. The police had also asked Andrea Woods for a DNA sample and interviewed her 21-year-old son, but again, nothing matched. It was now one year later, and no additional letters had arrived since the summer of 2014. Police couldn't find any fresh leads, and it was discovered that the initial police canvas had been very loose. They had missed a huge clue Around the same time as the Brodises had received their first letter, another family on Boulevard received a similar note from the Watcher. The parents of that family had lived in their own house for years, and their kids were grown, so they threw their letter away, just as the Woods had. But after the news broke, one of their children posted about it on Facebook, then quickly deleted the post. When investigators spoke to that family, they confirmed that the letters had been similar to Derek and Maria's. But the existence of this letter only made the case more confusing, and it needed to be more apparent the connection or what the letter stated, and nothing seemingly came from it. Then, one night, private security was parked in the back of a van on Boulevard, watching the house. Around 11 p.m., a car stopped in front of the house long enough, making investigators suspicious. The car was traced to a young woman in a nearby town whose boyfriend lived on the same block as 657 Boulevard. She mentioned that her boyfriend was into some really dark video games, but nothing panned out, and it was another false lead. However, there were other rumors about the house, the letters, and the owners now that the proverbial cat was out of the bag. Maybe the Brodises had sent the letters to themselves. The theory accused Derek and Maria of buyer's remorse or an inability to afford their home, so they came up with the watcher to get out of sale or to commit insurance fraud. They were accused of looking for some sort of movie deal. In reality, Derek and Maria had received offers for movie rights, but they turned them all down. Lifetime eventually released a movie called The Watcher, despite a cease and desist letter from Derek and Maria. Locals started looking into them and thought it was noteworthy that, over a decade, the couple had upgraded from a $315,000 house to a $770,000 home to a $1.3 million one. In addition, it was discovered they had refinanced on their mortgages, but it wasn't anyone in the town's business. A few weeks after The Watcher letters became public news, the West Westfield leader published an article in which anonymous neighbors were quoted asking why the Brodises kept renovating a home they weren't moving into, or asking questions whether they had done that much renovating at all. The leader even 
cast doubt on Maria's commitment to her family's safety, blaming her for having a public Facebook page with a photo of her children. The paper did note that the police had tested Maria's DNA, which didn't match, but ultimately appeared to be more accusatory of Derek and Maria, rather than sympathetic. None of those theories presented made any sense and appeared to be a deliberate community effort to put the blame of the watcher letters elsewhere. But the rumors and the theories persisted because Derek and Maria weren't speaking publicly. Westfield residents began to claim they were guilty of creating an elaborate scheme to defraud the Woods family for millions of dollars. The Westfield police also bought into this theory. Online, people were even more skeptical and critical of the family. But Derek and Maria had lived in this area for over a decade, and Maria's family had been a part of the community for much longer, so it was shocking and a rude awakening to find themselves accused of being con artists and liars. To Derek, it felt like some residents in Westfield preferred the conspiracy theories rather than considering the reality, a mentally ill neighbor with a unique obsession. People didn't want to believe something like this could happen in Westfield. But as mentioned earlier, another terrible event, a nearly two-decade-long mystery, occurred in Westfield, New Jersey decades earlier. A former resident, John List, infamously murdered his wife, mother, and his three teenage children in their home in 1971. He disappeared for nearly two decades before getting caught in 1989. After news broke of the Watcher in Westfield, some of the locals in the community were on edge, but other locals were more concerned that the national press might ruin Westfield's reputation rather than figure out who could be the Watcher. Now, Derek and Maria Brodus, as well as their children, were suddenly outcasts from their new home and town. Derek desperately wanted to leave Westfield, but Maria insisted on not uprooting her children. She didn't want the Watcher to win. Then, two years after the first first of the Watcher's letters arrived, Derek and Maria purchased a second home in Westfield, but they still needed to figure out what to do with 657 Boulevard. They thought about selling the house to a developer who could tear it down and split the property into two smaller homes, hoping to get a million dollars for the lot. Subdivisions like this had become common in Westfield, though many locals hated this, and 657 Boulevard was one of the neighborhood's largest lots, almost double in size. However, However, dividing the lot would require the Westfield Planning Board to grant an exception. Because the two smaller lots would be 67.4 and 67.6 feet wide, just shy of the town's mandated 70 feet. When the Planning Board met to decide on the application in January 2017, they devoted a three-hour hearing to the issue. Over 100 residents attended the meeting. The neighbors and residents expressed concern that the plan might require knocking down some of the trees and that the new homes would have aesthetically unpleasing front-facing garages. The hearing ended up lasting over four hours. During the meeting, there was very little time devoted to the discussion of the reason why the family had been driven to ultimately decide to tear down their dream home in the first place. But by late that night, the board unanimously rejected their proposal. Derek and Maria were devastated, but even if the plan had passed, it would barely help with their financial hemorrhage. 
hemorrhaging between the mortgage payments and their renovations, also paying around $100,000 in Westfield property taxes, the town ultimately denied their request for a way out. The couple loved 657 Boulevard at first. It's a beautiful house on a beautiful street worth maintaining and living in. But surprisingly, their neighbors did not understand or empathize with the unique situation. Even the priests who blessed the house went to one of the planning board meetings and was shocked by how many people had come up to him and claimed the whole thing was a hoax. Derek and Maria then decided to rent 657 Boulevard to a family with grown children and two large dogs. The rental agreement contained a clause in the lease that let them out in case of another letter. About two weeks later, Derek went to 657 Boulevard to deal with a rodent issue at the house. When he got there, the renter handed him an envelope that had just arrived. It read, in part, violent winds and bitter cold, to the vile and spiteful Derek and his wench of a wife Maria. Do you wonder who the watcher is? Turn around, idiots. Maybe you even spoke to me, one of the so-called neighbors who have no idea who the watcher could be. Or maybe you do know and are too scared to tell anyone. Good move. I walked by the news trucks when they took over my neighborhood and mocked me. I watched as you watched from the dark house in an attempt to find me. Telescopes and binoculars are wonderful inventions. 657 Boulevard survived your attempted assault and stood strong with its army of supporters barricading its gates. My soldiers of the Boulevard followed my orders to a T. They carried out their mission and saved the soul of 657 Boulevard with my orders. All hail the watcher. Maybe a car accident, maybe a fire, maybe something as simple as a mild illness that never seems to go away, but makes you feel sick day after day after day after day. Maybe the mysterious death of a pet, loved ones suddenly die, planes and cars and bicycles crash, bones break, you are despised by the house, and the watcher won. The letter also mentioned the new renter who was spooked by this recent letter and his comment, but agreed to stay if Derek installed cameras around the house. This letter came out of nowhere, two and a half years later, after the watcher first appeared. It was dated February 13th, the same day the couple gave depositions in their lawsuit against the woods. The watcher had been quiet for years, but this was fresh evidence that could restart the investigation. While Derek and Maria continued to press their case, there needed to be more for law enforcement to work with. The prosecutor's office continued its investigation, but the couple knew it was unlikely that the watcher would ever be caught and punished. In June 2017, the elderly couple who had 10 children and lived on Carlton Road since 1970, just behind 657 Boulevard, sold their home, an event notable enough to be written up in the Westfield Leader. This family would have had a nearly two-decade-long personal connection to 657 Boulevard, almost 50 years behind 657 Boulevard and an overall more significant and longer presence in the Westfield community. But now they were leaving their home of over four decades. In October of 2017, a Superior Court judge dismissed Derek and Maria's civil lawsuit against the Woods. Judge Camille M. Kenny threw out the three counts of fraud in the civil lawsuit that claimed the previous owners knew about the letters and withheld that information. And by this time, the watcher had sparked in 
international interest a true mystery of who the watcher could be and now the watcher was no longer the only person sending anonymous letters in westfield on christmas eve of twenty seventeen several families received an envelope in their mailboxes they'd been hand-delivered to the homes of people who had been the most critical of derrick and maria online it included several stories about recent acts of domestic terrorism in which signs of brewing mental illness had gone unnoticed the letters were typed and simply signed friends of the brodus family but eventually derrick admitted to writing those letters he admitted he wasn't proud of his action he hadn't even told his wife he'd done it but they were the only anonymous letters he'd ever written but this action was done out of fear driven to his wits end and tired of standing by quietly as people threw accusations at him and his family based on lies and gossip in 2019 the couple finally sold 657 boulevard for 959,000 at nearly 30 percent loss from their original purchase price derrick and maria brodus were finally free of 657 boulevard having never moved in during the five years they owned it while derrick and maria are no longer connected to 657 boulevard they continue to deal with the lingering effects of the letters it's unclear why the police didn't investigate the owners of carlton road as suspects perhaps it was because they were elderly and didn't fit any profile they were also pillars of the community with their large and local family the backyard neighbors had a family connection to 657 boulevard through their daughter and son-in-law a direct line of sight to 657 boulevard and a long history in the town one of the creepiest parts of the letters were referencing things that could only be known had the watcher been within earshot and the older woman living there was a professional musician from the outside it appears that the watcher could be an elderly jealous neighbor in a smaller home with deep lifelong ties to the community and perhaps a lifelong obsession with the beautiful house at 657 boulevard they possibly had dementia senality or something that flawed their reasoning in october 2022 netflix launched a mystery thriller called the watcher loosely based on the actual events as well as including references to the list family murders ryan murphy and ian brennan created the show which is highly inaccurate regarding the precise details of the case and the home itself the home featured in the series was a larger home a different architectural style and was also located in new york the series created another nightmare for the new homeowners of the real watcher home at 657 boulevard and the other neighbors when curiosity seekers were drawn to the residents due to the series popularity 657 boulevard in westfield new jersey is where the real life story of a family terrorized by threatening letters from an anonymous sender unfolded back in 2014 inspiring the hit series the watcher on netflix this message will not be the last i am the watcher now it's serving as a backdrop to what neighbors say are never-ending photo ops from intrusive fans Today, 657 Boulevard is still there and is privately owned. Please do not bother the current owners. Derek and Maria continue to live in Westfield, New Jersey and keep a low profile. Peggy Langford, the woman whose family was accused of being the watcher, passed away in February 2020. Her family is still in Westfield. It's unclear if the Westfield leader ever apologized to the Brodus family. The watcher will always be associated with 657 Boulevard and Westfield, New 
jersey no matter who the watcher is an innocent family was tormented publicly terrorized and fearful of moving into their dream home the watcher directly contributed to emotional and financial stresses and with three children it must have taken a significant toll on derek and maria's well-being how many people in westfield know who might have been sending the letters the whole time our actions have real-life consequences so we should be kind to our neighbors rather than cover up a town secret ultimately only the westfield watcher knows who they are what they did and why they wrote those letters they likely never anticipated the act being exposed to the entire world no additional letters have been addressed to 657 boulevard and the watcher has yet to be publicly identified and maybe never will be thank you for listening to nightmare houses for more information including photos and references please visit www.nightmarehouses.com until next time goodbye